This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. We want to welcome all of you that are with us this evening, uh, either on Facebook or uh, our YouTube channel. So delighted that you can be with us and join us uh, tonight for our service. But that's especially true for those of you that haven't been able to get out yet. We think about you often, and we're looking forward to being able to see your smiling face here one of these days pretty soon. So thanks again for being here with us tonight. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. And for those of you that have uh, joined us here and your kids are having wheel night tonight, and uh, April said, well, you should have brought your motorcycle. I said, you should have, you should have asked me. Hallelujah. We drove it through the church or something. Get the kids excited. Glory to God. Anyway, did y'all bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's open our Bibles together uh, to the book of Ephesians. We're just going to get into it here right away. We've been talking about prayer, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad tonight you've got a Father in heaven whose ears, the Bible says, are open to our prayers? Glory to God. Amen. God answers prayer. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6, if you can find that opening in your Bible. And let's just pray together. Let's just uh, prepare our hearts to receive uh, this evening and ask the Lord for unction in the Holy Ghost. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your living word. So grateful, Father, that we can gather in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for these precious people that have gathered here this evening. And again, of course, those that are watching online. We thank you, Father God, that our lives are hidden within you. That the whole plan and purpose, Father, of heaven is so that you might reveal your divine will and purpose for each and every one of us. So we come with hungry hearts, Father, open, receptive. Father, we desire to know more of you. And so I just thank you, Father God, for unction or utterance in the Holy Ghost. Help me, Father God, to communicate those things that these that are gathered, those that are watching, Father God, may benefit from. And we just thank you because the entrance of your word gives light. It gives illumination. It gives understanding, Father, to each and every one of us. And so we thank you for the truth because we know the truth makes people free. Hallelujah. And so we thank you for your blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. I want to talk to you again this evening about our prayer lives. Our prayer lives are such an important part of and of the dynamic of our life. And really, I mean, apart from the word, you know, uh, our prayer life is probably the second most important aspect to our relationship with God. Hallelujah. I mean, the Bible reveals God's will to us, but prayer affords us the opportunity to talk to God. Hallelujah. And how many of you know he wants us to talk to him? And so in dealing with that and talking about that, you know, um, what's unfortunate, I think, sometimes is, is that for some, at least, you know, prayer seems to be somewhat of a mystery to them. You know, I mean, sometimes we've been taught the wrong things. Sometimes we have to unlearn or unteach, you know, some stuff because we've been led to believe certain things that aren't necessarily doctrinally or scripturally true. And so again, you know, it almost seems like an enigma or a a mystery to us. But, you know, it's kind of like people say, well, I I know I should, I should pray, but I don't really know how. And uh, so thank God we're here tonight. We're going to learn. Amen so that we can be more effect, uh, effective in our prayer lives. And, you know, then, and then you get into the whole rules saying, how many of you know God never intended for us to live our lives legalistically? You know, I mean, you know, a lot of times, you know, people get into the whole Elizabethan English thing and thee and thou and whatever. And how many of you know one of the greatest prayers in life is, God, I need help, <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, I talk to God just like I talk to anybody, you know? Hallelujah. And so thank God we can open our hearts to him. And that's what, you know, I mean, when you start talking about your relationship with our father in heaven, it's about your heart and his. It's not a head trip. It's not some kind of, you know, it's just like Jesus said. He said, don't be like the heathen, you know, they, uh, you know, because they pray often and use repetition thinking that they'll be heard, you know, of God. That's, that's not what causes God's ear to be attentive. It's when your heart communicates with his heart. Hallelujah. And he's able, praise God, to not only uh, speak into our lives, but bring a lot of things to pass. Hallelujah. So, you know, uh, now having said that, again, I'm not not legalistic about it, but there are different kinds of prayer, which we're going to, when we read our text, you'll, you'll understand that. And, and so there's different rules that apply to, 
uh, the different various forms or types of prayer. In other words, you know, you're not going to play basketball with baseball rules. You're not going to play football with, you know, basketball rules or anything of that nature. So we do have to learn those things. And I've said this often, and it's true again to say, you know, that when you get saved, when you, when you make a decision to become a follower of him, you become a lifelong learner from there on out. And you come to realize what you don't know and what you need to know. And here, you know, I've been down the road about 40 some, I don't know, years in a relationship with God, and I still haven't got it all figured out. Thank God for, you know, I got, you know, you can just kind of stumble onto a few things in that period of time, you know, and get a few things right. Yeah. But we're always learning, or at least that we should be, and thank God for that. Hallelujah. So, you know, uh, what we want to do is we want to get to a place to where it, we've grown in our relationship with Him so that we become settled in knowing how to pray effectually and that with fervent and effectual prayer, uh, we can move the hand of God, whether it's for our own personal needs or maybe for the needs of someone else. It might be for, you know, the intercession that we make for nations, you know, that God can rock nations, hallelujah, and turn them to him so that they can be uh, set free. So uh, it's a privilege to be able to pray. And so the more of it that we can learn about and, and derive truth from the Bible, the better off we're going to be. So here in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, and I, I think, I, I don't know why never, nobody ever asked me this, but I think I've decided that the letter to the Ephesians is the favorite letter or epistle that I have in the New Testament. I love it. And I mean, there's just such rich, rich truth in this letter that Paul wrote to them. And it's uh, re-echoed in lots of other places, whether it's you know, through uh, Peter as an author, but then Paul, you know, in different places, other ones like it, to the church at Colossae, he wrote some things in there. But I'm telling you what, the book of Ephesians is, is, is a powerful, powerful letter to the church. So in chapter 6, he kind of brings things to a conclusion here in, in verse 10 when he said, finally, or in other words, one final word, brethren, he said, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say strong in the Lord. God wants you to be strong in the Lord. You know, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am, what? Strong. And so it was never intended by our Heavenly Father that when you become a child of God, that you're to be weak. Now, you know, we may have, or we may start out in a place of weakness. We, we may have areas that we're stronger in than we are in others. But you know, praise God, we're moving steadily forward in order to become or get to a position or place of strength. Hallelujah so that we become established, so that we're not soon easily moved, that we're not being tossed all over the place, you know, when certain things come our way and whatever. God wants us to be those kinds of people. Hallelujah. So it ought to be our pursuit. It ought to be our ambition. Hallelujah. I think the thing, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I was 19, and I was all in. I mean, I didn't know uh, um, anything other than the fact I needed a Savior. And I mean, in my heart of hearts, I knew, and I opened my heart to him and said, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. And I didn't know what that meant in the context of what my future might bring, what his will was even toward me. I just knew that I needed salvation. So when I got turned on to the word and I started finding out the truth of God's word, you know, like Jesus made this statement, you know, <laughs> you know, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty good deal. Hallelujah. That I wouldn't have to be bound, that I wouldn't have to be afraid, that I wouldn't have to, you know, be dominated by these different things within my life. And I began to understand from the scriptures that, that when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't go for himself, he went for me. Most people will conclude unequivocally that the reason for his going was to, you know, pay the price and the penalty for sin. But that's just part of what it is that he did, because he did pay the price and the penalties for sin so that you and I could be made free from it. But when he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, he said that all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. And when he did that and said that, he then commissioned us as the people of God and the children of God to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Guess what? You don't have to be either. Amen. You know, God doesn't want us to live, you know, in some, you know, timid kind of posture where our lives are concerned. Hallelujah. 
He wants you to let your light shine. Praise God. He wants you to be the salt of the earth. And not in an arrogant kind of way, but I tell you what, you don't have to apologize for being a believer. Amen. Are you listening to me? You know, there's a lot of this stuff going on. You know, they either shame you because you got a mask on or they shame you because you don't have one on. There's all this shaming going on. Well, listen, there's no shame in Jesus. Amen. Are you listening to me? Now, people might try to shame you, but I could care less. Because I tell you what, I was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. So it don't make no difference to me. And you know, those are life lessons that we have to learn, especially, you know, you, know, you get to different seasons within your life. You know, I was just a 19-year-old teen, uh, teenager, and, and uh, you know, so you got all this peer pressure and things like that. But I loved him more than I cared about what people thought. And I tell you, the sooner you do that, the better off you are. Because he came for a reason. He came for you. And he came for me. And I tell you what, when I discovered that, when I found that out, nothing else mattered. If he loved me enough to go to that cross and die for me so that I could live, then what else matters? You know, people can say whatever they want to say. I've been having a high heel time ever since I got saved. <laughs> Amen. You know, I got delivered from drugs, I got delivered from alcohol, I got delivered from all these other things, and I mean, you know, life's good in Jesus. Amen. 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 You know. Well, anyway, so he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not yours, but his. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the King James uses the term wiles of the devil. Some translations will say the devil's schemes. You know, the, there is the God of this world, which Paul said attempts to blind the minds of those that don't believe so that the glorious light of the gospel will not shine unto them. That's why he sent us out into the world to preach the gospel, so that people that are blind can see the truth. And hopefully, let their heart be the thing that leads them into a relationship, a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I had religion. You know, I went to a mainline denominational church. I've mentioned this before. I had all the pins to prove my attendance, but I didn't know him. You know, so I was just going through the motions, you know. And so now I don't go to church. Church is my life. And you say, well, yeah, but you're a preacher. Well, it ought to be that way for all of us. Huh? Thank God, you know, I mean, I guess we can rejoice in that anyway. But church is my life. Jesus gave birth to the church. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Why wouldn't I want to be in the church? Hallelujah. Amen. So, so when we read these scriptures and we see where it says here, so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil... Okay? So, you know, there's a lot of preachers. I remember when my wife and I, we first got turned on to the Word of God, and we may have probably been married, but uh, there was a pastor that we were familiar with, and he didn't believe in a virgin birth, and he didn't believe in the devil, a literal devil. And I thought, well, you know what? I don't think I want to follow this guy. <laughs> and the reason's simple. You know, I'm not, I'm not pounding him, but I mean, I believe God's Word is the final authority, and the Bible teaches us clearly that we have an adversary, the devil, that walks about, roaming about, looking for, didn't say he could, but he's hunting for people that he wants to devour, whom you and I are to resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So thank God we can have victory, because he's under our feet. He's a defeated foe. Jesus spoiled principalities, powers, made a show of them openly, triumphed over them in it. Thank God. And again, he did it for you and me. So he wants you to be strong, not weak. Hallelujah. So that you can stand. And then he says, put on all this armor. And we don't have time to get in and all that. But notice it says in verse 18, part of the armor that he wants us to have or to be wearing is praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I'd like to read that from the uh, Amplified Bible. And, and uh, it says, uh, in the Amplified, it says, Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. 
And to that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all saints, God's consecrated people. You know, last week, if you were with us, I talked about the fact that your prayers matter. You know, the devil will lie to you and say, well, it doesn't matter. He doesn't hear you. Remember the last time you prayed? He didn't do nothing there. You're still in the shame. Matter of fact, I think it's worse for you. You know, why do you think that God, well, you know, he's a liar. There is no truth in him. And the fact is, is that your prayers do matter. Hallelujah. As we're going to discover in the scriptures, you know, hell does everything it can to discourage, distract, and keep people from praying. But on the other hand, heaven does everything it can to encourage a life of prayer in the life of a believer. So there's things that Jesus said, and we won't go into all of those for the sake of time here tonight, but the Bible seems to imply that prayer is something that should be a regular part of our lifestyle. Praying always or at all times, you know, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. Hallelujah. And, you know, it's interesting to me, but, you know, that scripture in the King James, when you read it in there, it says, watching thereunto. There's another place in the scripture that says, watch in prayer. Seems kind of interesting to me. You know, that there really is, when a person is a person of prayer, or they have a, a prayer life or a prayer habit, that it seems that in, in the context of that, that there's a certain, um, how would I say that, that their eyes are more, uh, not more open, but they're open, you know, to what's going on in their world. Case in point, the other night, I don't remember which evening it was, um, see, we're at Wednesday, maybe Monday night. Let's take Monday night. I think it was Monday night. I don't know, you know, days get away from you. Anyway, um, uh, we were uh, getting ready to retire and, you know, getting ready to go to bed and everything. And I decided I was going to meander out into the uh, kitchen just to see if, you know, maybe a, perhaps a, a snack might be, you know, <laughs> just sitting there, you know. And, um, all of a sudden, I mean, I turn around the corner of our uh, uh, counter there, you know, and all of a sudden I just had this real urge to pray, you know. And so I thought, hmm. So I went on into the living room, forgot the snack, sat down, just began to pray and just kind of got my spiritual antennas up, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it. I just spent some time and, and was saying, God, I know that you're wanting, you know, there's something here. And so I began to pray. Now, if you're not familiar with this, you, you can learn this, but I began to pray in other tongues or in the Spirit as the Spirit of God gave me utterance, and that's not our subject tonight. Perhaps we'll talk about it. But So I just prayed, and, and, uh, and because, see, the Bible says that the Spirit helps our weaknesses because we don't always know what to pray for as we ought. I wasn't even really, you know... Um, Really, really sure. But as I prayed, the more and more I prayed, the more I realized that God was really talking to me about the future and the opportunity that is in front of us as a church and as, and as a, you know, just as an individual and not just me, but everyone, you know, most people today, they're not looking at their futures as an opportunity. They're trying to figure out what's going to happen. Well, I can tell you right now what's going to happen. Jesus is coming again. And he said to occupy until he comes. So while everyone else is worried, Jesus is saying, you're, you're, you're looking at the wrong thing. There's opportunity here. Are you listening to me? So, you know, as I began to pray about that and things, uh, the more that I prayed about it, the more I realized that there's opportunity in our future as a church and again, as an individual. And, uh, but, but those opportunities, they need to be seized. How many of you wish you'd have done something and you, when, and you didn't do it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, same kind of thing. But he also went on to talk to me about the fact that it requires boldness. You know, a lot of times people, you know, there's opportunities that come their way and, and they get excited about it. Maybe they share that excitement with somebody else and, you know, and, they'll be the perfect person with a wet blanket to throw it on your fire. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Huh? And so if you're not careful, they can extinguish whatever it is you know that you have within your heart and as you see as an opportunity. Are you with me? And so sometimes, you know, when that happens, you just have to be bold, 
you know, to step on through it and just say, well, I'm sorry you feel the way you do. I think, praise God, this is an opportunity. Does that make sense to you? So anyway, uh, and, and I share that as an example because the same thing can happen in our lives, you know, that, that how many of you know God wants to put you over in life? I'm telling you what, praise God. He told Joshua, he said, this book of the law is not, in other words, the word of God should never depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night so that you can observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. God wants you to have good success. He's not opposed to people succeeding. You know, it isn't like he gave you life and brought you into this world so you could be a failure. Are you with me? You don't get up in the morning and say, man, I just cannot wait to fail. Huh? No, you're getting up and you're getting out of bed with the ambition and the purpose, at least, I hope, you know, that praise God, something significant is going to happen and that life is going to become better. Isn't that right? Well, where'd that come from? I mean, it's inherently planted within people. And I'd like to suggest to you that that drive, if you want to call it that, came from heaven. It came from God. And he wants the best for you. Hallelujah. So, I mean, you know, every, I mean, when you gain consciousness in the morning, you say, Father, I just thank you. You want the best for me today. Amen. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you may not face a challenge. It may not, you know, it doesn't mean that you want, may have to, you know, uh, not have to deal with some stuff, but praise God, his will hasn't changed. Aren't you glad for that? So, you know, um, uh, um, it, it's just an important dynamic in the relationship of our lives. But how many of you know when it comes to prayer, there has to be an asking, you know? Well, I don't want to bother God with my problems. Listen, you're not bothering God at all, okay? You know, well, you know, it's such a petty thing, you know? Well, so how do you define what's, what's petty and what's a big deal? You know, I mean, can't we just pray? You know, God's interested in the little things in our lives, isn't he? Hallelujah. You know, uh, uh, my wife and I are in this project and we're doing this deal. And I, I came home one day and I said, baby, I said, I need for you to agree with me because I need favor. You know, we had a bunch of stuff, you know, that, that was lined up and we had a little, uh, oh, what do you call it? A, a stick in the in the wheel there, you know, it was kind of, and, and, and I had the opportunity to talk to an individual. How many of you know it's not always what you know, but who you know? Yeah. And I had an opportunity to talk to an individual and he says, you know what, we'll make that happen. And so, you know, I mean, it's a little thing, but you know, I just decided, Hey, I might as well get my heavenly father involved in this, huh? And so praise God, you know, it, it's, it's working out marvelously and we're thankful for that. So you have to ask, let's, let's look here, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter seven, something Jesus said when it comes to our relationship with God and how it is that we're to relate to him. And I mean, you know, if Jesus told us to do this, then I think we were getting some pretty good uh, advice, wouldn't you say? Huh? Notice what it says, Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, Jesus Jesus is speaking. Now, the only, some, you know, say, well, how do you know that? Well, if you have a red letter edition, then praise God, you know, it was Jesus, right? Okay. This one doesn't happen to be, but this is what he said. Ask. Everybody say ask. Yeah. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone, say everyone, Everyone that asks receives. He that seeks finds to him that knocks, it shall be opened. And then he said in verse 9, Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? And then he went on to say that if you then, being evil or natural, know how to give good gifts to your children, what's the next three words? How much more? Hallelujah. How much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give what, how does he describe these things as being what? Good. How much more will your father, which is in heaven, give good things to him that ask him? How many of you know God only has good things to give? You know, sometimes people, you know, they accuse God of being the author of all kinds of tragedies and problems and things, you know, and different stuff of that nature. And unfortunately, you know, for a lot of things he's accused of, he's not the author of. 
James said it this way, and we may end up over there at some point. He says, don't make this mistake, brethren. In other words, do not err. He said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. In other words, when, when he's making reference to the Father of lights, he's talking about the stars in the heavens at night that we see, the Father of lights, the sun, the moon, you know, all the rest of them, Jupiter and Saturn and all of those that are down there in the evening, you know? So he, he uses this analogy, he says, don't err, you know, every good and perfect comes from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness. God doesn't change. But you know, if you go out at nine o'clock at night and you look at the stars, they're going to appear in, in, in a certain way. But if you go out there at two o'clock in the morning, did you all go out last night and watch the meteor shower? What's the matter with you guys? Did you do it? Did you do it, Kathy? Didn't have an umbrella. Didn't have an umbrella? Okay. <laughs> Amen. It was a, a spectacular meteor shower last night. Well, anyway. Where was I? The Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness. In other words, he's making this comparison. And he's saying, you know, that the, the, the celestial, you know, galaxies and things will change, but God does not. That's, that's what he's drawing this analogy between. The Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It was of his own will that he gave birth to us or begot us through the word of truth so that you and I could be the first fruits of this creature. Do you understand that concept? So I guess what I'm trying to explain to you is, is God is a good God, and he's got good things in store for you. Hallelujah. Why do I say that? Because a lot of times when we get in the midst of a storm, or we're having some kind of a challenge, or we find ourselves facing trouble, a lot of times we'll say, God, where are you? Well, he hasn't moved. He hasn't changed. His will has not changed toward you. It's just something that you're having to deal with and to go through. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Huh? He's with us. We just got done singing it. God for us. God with us. Nothing can stand against us. But you got to get that rooted down on the inside of you so that, so that when things do come, your judgment is not skewered. And you're just settled knowing, hallelujah, that God is on my side. He's for me. Okay? Yeah, but I got this unanswered prayer. You know? And I mean, I've been talking to God about it for quite a long time, and there doesn't seem to be any, you know, change to the circumstance. And if anything, it seems like it's gotten worse. What do you, what do you say about that, preacher man? Well, I don't know. But I can tell you this much about it. It's not his fault. <laughs> huh? You know, sometimes there's just a little something, something missing, you know. Sometimes that, you know, James even talked about this. He says, a lot of times you guys ask and you don't get your prayers answered because you ask with the wrong motive. Right. Well, I don't know what people's motives are. What do you, you know, you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, take that up with Jesus. Amen. But thank God for the ones whose, whose motives are right because he wants to answer our prayers. Glory to God. You know, in this, uh, notice with me here in this uh, thing that we were just looking at there earlier. In verse 9, it says, what man is there of you? That's King James. I want to read it out of the uh, uh, New Living Translation. It says, you parents. So again, this analogy, Jesus is saying, how many of you being a parent? He, he goes on to say, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, will you give them a snake? Of course, you know, stone does them no good. Snake is harmful to them. Then he goes on then to ask. He says, of course not. So if you uh, sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things or gifts to those who ask him? Amen. You know, I, you can be sure of this. Uh, your heavenly father will take a father's place to take care of all your needs. You know, if, if you're a father and you have children, and, you know, you have any empathy for fatherhood and things of that nature, no father wants their child to go without. No father wants to see their child hurt. You, you understand where I'm coming from? And that comes from the nature of God. 
you know. So he's just saying that if you being natural know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things or gifts to those that ask him? So he has good things for us. Aren't you glad for that? So, <clears throat> so I guess uh, having said that, I, I, said, you know, I, I mentioned the fact that when it comes to prayer, you have to ask, but you also have to ask with confidence. Huh? And, and so that's the reason why I was trying to give shape and form to the relationship we have with God. And not only that, but to talk about his nature, that he is a good God and that he looks favorably towards you. A lot of times when people are praying, sometimes they'll say, well, you know, I've done this wrong and I missed this and I've done that. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Because so often one of the fundamental weapons that hell uses against the believer and people in general is condemnation. Well, you just don't measure up. You know, you ain't been living right. I don't know what you have, have or have not been doing, but it ain't right. You know, in other words, he'll do anything and everything to, to, to knock your feet out from underneath you when it comes to having confidence toward God. Are you listening to me? Because if there's no absolute confidence there, you think about J. Iris. Here's a guy whose daughter is about to die. He comes and he drops to his knees in front of Jesus and begins to worship. And he said, come, uh, lest my daughter die. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. Now, he was a Pharisee. Jairus was part of the uh, religious uh, community and the higher echelon of the church. And, and they had already determined that no one was to have anything to do with Jesus or else they'd be kicked out of the you know, synagogue or the church or the whatever. But you know, when your daughter's about to die, guess what? You really don't care about what people think about you from a social standpoint or a positional standpoint. And he left all that behind and he went to him and begged him to come. And so he did. Well, on the way, he was interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood. And then somebody came from Jairus' house and said, uh, there's no use troubling the master any further. Your daughter's dead. And when Jesus heard it, the Bible says when he heard it, he turned right to him and he said, don't be afraid. Only believe. With me? So when you and I get into these places that are hard and difficult, guess what? God just, he doesn't want you to be afraid. Hear his voice. Don't be afraid. Just believe and keep right on walking. They went to his house. He kicked out all the unbelievers. The Bible says they laughed Jesus to scorn. You know, you know what scorn is? It's hatred. And he, yeah, I think it's awesome. He just got rid of them all. You can all go now. And went into the room. You know, I think at that point he only had uh, maybe Peter, James, and John and the parents. And God performed a miracle in that bedroom and lifted that girl up off of that bed. And God gave that girl back to the sky. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? So I guess I want you to just think about the fact that he wants you to have confidence, uh, not only in him, but in your prayers. Huh? You know? Uh, let's look at another verse of scripture. Y'all doing okay? Uh, we're just talking about prayer here in such a wonderful way here. First um, uh, John chapter, well, you know what? Turn to James and I'll just quote this other verse of scripture. Turn to James chapter um, uh, 1. James chapter 1. <clears throat> James uh, talks about our uh, asking or our petition. But let me quote this verse of Scripture. You're, uh, many of you are well familiar with it. But it's, it's 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. You can write it down. It says, this is the confidence. Everybody say Confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know. Everybody say, I know. Yeah, that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So when we find it in the Bible, praise God, you know, like, for example, you know, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your need according to uh, his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
So you can go to the bank on it. Now, you know, your bank account may be telling you something else or, you know, whatever the case might be. But the fact of the matter is, as God's word said, he'll put you over. Amen. And um, uh, yeah, again, there's a lot of things that we could talk about in that context, but that's what he said. So he said, we can have confidence. Now look at this verse of scripture with me in James chapter one, verse five. Notice it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask, ask of God who gives to all men. Everybody say all men. So, you know, when the devil comes and says, yeah, he answers everybody else's prayer, but yours, then you can just say, well, that's not true because his ears are open to our prayers, you know? So in this scripture, notice it says here, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives to all men. How does he give? Liberally. Liberally. Aren't you glad tonight Jesus isn't stingy? Come on. Gives to all men liberally. Now notice the last part of it. And upbraids, King James used the word upbraids not. Uh, New King James says without reproach. What does that mean? That means, in other words, when you come and you ask him, He's not standing there in judgment of your life and he's just waiting, you know, to get this big, huge gavel and find something, you know, that you've done wrong. Okay. We're talking about praying with confidence and, and so many of these, the, the nuances, if you want to call it that, when it comes to your confidence toward God, I mean, if you've done something wrong, the best thing you can do is repent. I mean, you know, from your heart, say, God, I am so sorry. And, and repent and ask him to forgive you so that you can have a clean slate so that now I know I'm on solid ground with my heavenly father and I don't have, you know, whatever going on or anything of that nature. So if I, if I lack wisdom, I'm to ask of God who gives to, again, all men liberally and upbraids not, doesn't find reproach, isn't going to find fault, isn't going to say, well, you know, I'd like to answer your prayer, but you're an idiot, you know. He, you know, he doesn't do that. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. Now notice what it goes on to say. And it shall be what? Given him or her. So you can go to the bank that he'll answer your prayers. Now notice what it goes on to say in verse 6. But let him ask how? In faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think or imagine that he will receive anything from the Lord. It does require faith, doesn't it, when we pray. So how can we have faith? Well, we can find out what the Bible has to say. And we can say, well, Father, you said in your word. And then we can just, you know, rehearse what it is that he said. And so we can then say, well, based upon what it is that you've said, that which you have promised, I come to you today because of a personal need I have in my life. And praise God, he'll answer our prayers. Amen? I mean, you know, he may not rain it down out of heaven. He might say, well, you know, the reason you're having this problem is because you got this little thing going on over here. So stop doing that and shift this around, do something else, you know. It's just like when I was kind of arrested, you know, in the kitchen, you know, when I was looking for that snack. By the way, I did go back to try to find a snack before that was over. But anyway, um, you know, the thing of it is, is that what's he trying to do? He's trying to guide me. He's saying, hey, there's an opportunity in front of you here, son. There's things that you can do, you know, that can really make a difference. Are you with me? So, so we just need to be open. And again, you know, when we're people of prayer and we have a lifestyle of prayer, uh, it affords us that call it sensitivity if you want, where God's trying to tell us something and we can uh, get the answers that we need to life. Hallelujah. So, so, uh, 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 <laughs> trying to figure out how to bring this to a close. I want to get to something this evening because I felt prompted. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to whoosh, move ahead a little bit, uh, in, in talking about this. Um, I want you to turn to John chapter 16. So we talked about different kinds of prayer. There's, you know, a prayer, a petition type prayer where you have a need in your life. And um, there's intercessory prayer where we take the place of someone else, pray for them. Um, there's uh, prayer of consecration, dedication. These are not really things. But, but one of the things that, you know, happens in our lives is, 
You know, when, when, whenever we're compressed by the world around us or the, the things that try to encroach upon our lives, you know, that can cause a lot of stress. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It can create anxiety. It can cause us to worry. And, and what I really want to address to you this evening is, I, and again, I don't know where you're at, but I really believe in my heart that God wants me to communicate this towards you this evening or to you is a better way of putting that. He doesn't want you to worry. He doesn't ever, he doesn't want you to ever worry. You say, well, that's impossible. Well, now I didn't make up the rules, okay? But let's just look at some verses, okay? Be all right? And, and let's seed your heart and your mind with some of these verses and see if this doesn't help you. Notice what Jesus said, John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have what? That you might have what? Peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good what? Why? He's overcome the world. So let's, let's think about this. Did Jesus have tribulation? Sure he did. I mean, everything was kind of cool until he got to be 30 years old and entered into the ministry and then all hell broke loose. Huh? You know, sometimes we see all the accolades and everybody, you know, I mean, you think about, you know, on his triumphant entry in, you know, into Jerusalem and people are laying down palm leaves and whatever. Well, guess what? Uh, they crucified him. So he, he dealt with everything. And so when he, when he says this to us, it's, it's so important to get it. You know, and so he said, I've said these things to you so that in me you might have peace. He said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but I want you to be of good cheer because I've overcome the world for you. With me? If you go back to the 14th chapter, notice something he says here in verse 27. He says, uh, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world gives. Huh? Do I give this to you? Well, that's actually not in there. But uh, yeah, it is too. Hallelujah. Just read the scripture there, Mike. Peace I leave with you, my peace give I unto you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Now notice this, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do we ever have opportunities for our hearts to be troubled? Holy cow. I mean, all you got to do is sometimes turn on the television, you're going, what? You know what I'm saying? But here's what he said. He said, don't allow your heart to be troubled. In other words, when it comes, when the, when the temptation or the opportunity, if that's the right way to say it, uh, to be uh, troubled comes, you say, nope, nope, passez-vous, wrong house, I don't have a care. You know what I'm saying? But that's typically not what happens. You know, it's like bait. The devil will take this bait and he'll throw it out there and see if you're going to bite on it or not. And all Jesus is saying is, don't, 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 take, the, don't take the bait. Just say, no, we're not going to do that. Why? Because we know what the Bible says. He says, I'm going to leave you with my peace, not the stuff that the world gives, but my peace. Don't ever let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I mean, praise God, what comforting words. Now, it may take us a little bit of time to think about and meditate on and allow that to get down on the inside of us, but I tell you, it can go a long ways toward you not having to use Somonex or whatever it is that you use to try to go to sleep, okay? There's only so much of that, well, whatever, you know, stuff you can take. With me? It's good stuff, praise God. When Jesus faced difficulty and trouble, he went and talked with his heavenly father. So when you face trouble, the best thing you can do is go talk to him. Gethsemane is the, probably the, the pinnacle of um, examples when he was ready to you know, give his life as a ransom for all of us. And they went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he spent hours there 
I wouldn't say he tried to talk God out of it, but he was just hoping for a different way. And there was none. He won the victory in that garden. It wasn't up on the cross. He said, let us be going now as the Son of Man, you know, turned over into the hands of men. That's where he got the victory. He got it in his prayer closet. That's where you and I get our victory. Are you listening to me? But if you don't go, well, you know, I'm just so busy, I ain't got time. You know, well, okay, deal with it yourself. Okay, thanks for your excitement. I'm glad you like what I said. We just need to realize that when we face difficulty, he wants to help. You know, he's not standing afar off going, well, let's just see how they do. You know, I mean, I don't know. Oh, that didn't go so well. You know, no, it's not like that. You know, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will make your life worse. No, he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Woo! That's good news right there. You say, well, where is that? Well, I'm just going to make you get your concordance out and look it up. No, actually, it's, uh, let's see, Matthew 11, uh, 28 or verse 30, someplace in there through 32. Okay? <clears throat> look at James uh, chapter 5. We were over there in James. Probably should have passed through there before. But look at the fifth chapter of James. Y'all glad you came tonight? Hallelujah. Those of you that are in your easy chair and about to go to sleep, wake up! <laughs> Service is just about over. Don't miss the best part. Hallelujah. Notice what it says in James chapter 5 and verse 16. No, 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 no. Let's, let's start with uh, uh, verse uh, 13. James is writing here and he says, Is any among you... What does your Bible say? Suffering. Uh, King James says afflicted. Uh, another way we could say it is tested or tried or uh, undergoing hardship. Is anyone among you tested, tried, troubled, undergoing hardship? What does he tell them to do? Let them pray. Well, I don't want to pray, man. I'm in trouble. Can't you see? I need help. Well, he's trying to get help to you. Huh? Is any among you uh, uh, afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. And he says some other things there as we go on down. That. But worry and anxiety, care, are not the characteristics that should identify the disposition of the child of God. So if we're worried, if we're fretful, if we're careful, uh, then we haven't been where we need to be. Huh? We haven't gone to him. Come on. You know? And so we can. Thank God we can. Turn back to Philippians chapter 4. We'll try to close this up real quickly uh, on some account here. I've given you a whole bunch of scriptures, so you can take these home, praise God, and look them over for yourself, and, and praise God, they'll bless you. And then you can pray accordingly. Notice in uh, chapter 4, Philippians 4 and verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing. Um, the New King James says, survey says, okay, be anxious for nothing. Okay? Be careful for nothing, be anxious. One translation says, never be careful or concerned about anything. Well, you say, well, that's just impossible. Well, now, wait a minute before you go, you know, giving me your opinion. Can we ask ourselves a question that, you know, would, would God ask us to do something that, that we couldn't do? No. no. So he's just saying you don't have to be full of care. You don't have to worry, even though we might be world-class worriers. Uh-huh. Some of us are highly proficient in worry. So, you know, it's a real challenge not to. 
But he does tell us what, what it is that we can do here. Notice as we go on reading, it says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, why in the world would I want to thank God when I'm having the temptation to be, you know, anxious and worry? Because I've talked to him about it and he said, I'll take care of it. And if I know that, then I can be thankful. Father, I just want to thank you. Glory to God that you'll take up for me. Because we just, you know, Wednesday night we were in church and we said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Glory to God that he's with us. He's in us. He's on our side. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So anyway, notice here again, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? My wife and I, we've been in some hot water at times, but I tell you what, the supernatural peace of God is such a wonderful thing. I mean, it looks like everything's going sideways in the wrong way, but you're sitting there thinking, he's got this. Hallelujah. Thank God for the greater one that's in me. And sure enough, man, he makes good. God will always take up for you, child of God. Why? Because he loves you and he cares for you. And he wants the best for you. Praise God. Well, anyway, uh, we're going to close there and, and stop for tonight. Well, one more verse. You got time for one more verse? Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. This is good. Might as well shovel off the whole load here. Hallelujah. First uh, uh, Peter chapter 5. Again, this is a scripture that perhaps you're familiar with. Notice it says here uh, in verse 7, 1 Peter 5 verse 7. It says, casting just part of your care, huh? All of it. All of it. Well, you know, I can carry some of this burden. God doesn't want you to carry any of it, huh? Are you listening to me? Well, my wife and I, when we pack up, you know, she's got pretty good sized bags. She's got all her music and, you know, and Bible and this and that. And I got my Bible, you know, and, and uh, so there's stuff. We have stuff. Any of you have stuff? Mm -hmm. Well, you have stuff. So if I say, well, honey, let me, let me carry that, you know. You know, it's not like, well, you grab one side, I'll grab the other, and we'll try to carry it. No, I said, let me carry it. So I take it all, okay? Put it all over my shoulder, you know, use the straps and carry it out. Well, what does that do? That relieves her of what? All of the burden, mm -hmm. right? So when we read this scripture here where it says, uh, casting all your care upon him. Hallelujah. For he cares for you. That's why you do it. Be sober. This, and, and, and you have to understand when Peter's writing this, there, there's a, there is a, 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 a thread of thought. There's, there's a continuity to what it is that he's saying. So the context, maybe that's a better way of saying it. He says, be careful for nothing. Uh, I'm sorry, casting all of your care onto him because he cares for you. But then he goes on to say, be sober, be vigilant. You remember when I said, don't let him dump his care at your doorstep? Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking, you know how many people are ending up in the hospital and having surgery because they've been, you know, they got so much going on by their anxieties and worries and whatever, they don't even know whether they're coming or going. Huh? Because notice it says, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Didn't say could. Whom you're to resist steadfast in the faith, again, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Care is the weapon or the device that Satan uses to devour. So he says, whom resist? How do I resist? I just say, I'm not taking that care. I'm not taking that anxiety. Praise God, I'm going to go to my heavenly father. I'm going to talk to him about it. And whatever he says, that's what we're going to do. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Why don't you stand with me, everybody? Hallelujah. So if you came this evening, or maybe you're watching there, you know, either by Facebook or YouTube, and you've been anxious about maybe the things that are going on in the world, or maybe your personal life or something that's going on. Well, tonight, we're just going to cast our care onto him. 
That sound all right to you? Hallelujah. You may not know how, you may not know when, but thank God he's going to make it happen. Amen. Amen. Let's believe that tonight. Father in heaven, as a body of believers, Father God, we come before you this evening in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father God, that as an act of our will, we can cast all of our care onto you because you care for us. And so we do so. And we just thank you, Father God, that we don't have to care about anything. But Father, you'll take up for us. And not only that, but you'll provide us with the answers and the wisdom that we need. Father God, in order to live out a life that is a blessing, praise God not only to us, but everyone around us. And so I thank you, Father, for your blessing in each and every one of our lives. Let me just lead you in this prayer. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight and I thank you for how much you care for me. And as an act of my will, I cast all my care onto you. Every problem, every concern I give to you tonight. And I thank you, Lord, for your blessing in my life. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. Amen. Praise God. Well, you know. Praise God. If he's got it, then you don't, right? Now, don't be like the guy, you know, sets his suitcase down someplace, you know, and it represents all the care and he gets a little ways from it. And then you go back, pick it back up again and haul it away. Huh? Just leave it there, man. Praise God. You may be seated. We're going to receive an offering. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You know, be careful about what you allow yourself to listen to and watch and and, you know, people, I mean, sometimes, you know, folks are, they're just so negative. And unless you have an audience within their life that you can speak into it and say, you know, have you ever thought about maybe that and send, send the conversation uh, a different direction? You know what I'm saying? In other words, let's put something positive in this. Heaven's positive. You know, heaven is not in an uproar. There's nothing but peace. And praise God, you know, when Jesus was saying, praying, he talked about, well, talking about prayer, he said, you know, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I tell you what, praise God, if God wants heaven to be on earth in my life, in your life, in our homes, in our churches, then praise God, that ought to be our pursuit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So part of the thing that we do in that is, is that we don't allow you know, some kind of negative whatever to invade our space, you, you know, whether it's our life, our home, our church, or whatever. You know, some people, <clears throat> I just use this as an example, you know, there's some people that come into churches to cause problems, and I run them off. You say, is that, is that okay? Can you do that? Yeah, yeah, works great. <laughs> Why? Because I don't, I don't want to fly in the ointment. You know, if you're going to be so uh, cantankerous, you know, to where you're stirring up strife, you know, the Bible says that, that God hates discord among the brethren. Are you with me? So if somebody's, you know, causing problems, I mean, I, I can't say that. I mean, I can count on one hand, you know, the times that this happened. But I mean, sometimes, you know, you say, you know what, brother, maybe it'd be better if you found someplace else to go. Yeah. I had a pastor friend of mine that was uh, <laughs> pastoring out in California, you know, and out there is just fruits and nuts. <laughs> and he was pastoring. He says, oh, yeah. He says, about every 30 days, he says, I just run them off, you know. Yeah. You know, because some people come uh, to church for ulterior motives. Some of them are hunting women. Some of them are hunting men, you know. Well, is that why we're supposed to go to church? Last time I checked, I don't think that was the whole game there, was it? Well, you know, it's an uncanny thing, but, you know, I don't understand this. And I know I'm taking longer in this offering than I probably should, but why is it that women can spot a guy who's hitting? Let's see. Wait a minute. I got to get this right. Why is it that women can see other women that are, you know, fishing in the, the weeds 
And a guy will go, ah, nah, nah, they're just trying to be friendly. It's like, are you an idiot? (laughs) You know? And why is it that women cannot see when a guy is, is, and the other guy, you know, guys are so, yeah, uh uh-uh, no, that's not good. And the woman will go, why is that? Now, sometimes it's pretty blatant, but you know what I'm saying? Amen. I remember when Joan and I were doing uh, youth ministry, I always told the kids, I said, you know, girls, you need to know the difference between a compliment and infatuation. Mm, Because infatuation is intended to get something from you. A compliment is intended to put something in you. Oh, that's good word. You know what I'm saying? So we live in a wild, woolly world, and I'm so glad for all of you to be here tonight. Thank you so much for coming and just, you know, uh, being good listeners. Now, we're going to receive our offering here. We're going to pray over your offering, and you can give it in a variety of ways. But let's remember that, you know, when we, when we do our giving, it really is a worship to Him, okay? So let's pray, and let's bow our heads, and we'll just thank Him. Tonight, Father, we thank You for the privilege of being able to give into the kingdom. And God, as we bring our offerings or perhaps our tithes, God, I just want to thank you tonight, Father, for blessing this offering as a seed in the lives of these, your people. And God, I believe that when they give, it will be given to them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Father, you will give them promotions. You'll give them advancements. Father God, they will see increase. That Father God, there will be promotions that come their way unexpectedly, and the blessing of God will rest upon them. And so we just thank you for your mercy, goodness, and your grace as we give tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.